It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a great start to your Monday. And it is Monday, but the great thing about it is, is that it is draft week. It is finally here. And if you've followed Memphis area podcast, radio, Grizzlies coverage when it comes to draft time each year, a very familiar name, Memphis's own and one of the best draft minds that I've ever encountered, Chip Williams has been kind enough to join us to discuss all things Grizzlies in the NBA draft. Chip, how are you this, this today, sir? I am good. It is always a pleasure, Sean. I appreciate you having me on. Yep, the pleasure is, is all mine, obviously. Uh, you know, me, me and but very excited. And I believe, Chip, there's there's three levels of excitement here for both of us. First off, it's the overall depth of the, of the quality of talent and upside that's in this draft. Second off, the Grizzlies, obviously, with their front office making the most of it. But third off, we've got a couple of volunteers, maybe even three, that could be drafted. There's a lot to be excited about for many different reasons for, for anybody out there this year. No, absolutely. Um, you know, you look at, uh, you mentioned Jaden, Keon, uh, a couple of volunteers that would be shocking if they didn't go in the first round. And even uh, Eve's Ponds could possibly be a uh, – someone that either is a second round pick possible two-way undrafted guy so um and then yeah for the grizz look you're sitting at 17 now um i know that by the time we get out here that this podcast gets out here we'll, people will be well informed on the bledsoe um possible exchange moving up seven spots taking on the bledsoe contract with the pelicans it it has always felt a little bit to me sean that the grizzlies well, you know, based on recent drafts, they don't stand pat. They they like to move around. Kleiman likes to make some moves, figure out who he wants. Um, and so them moving up makes sense because this is a draft that has a lot of exactly what they need, and that's wings with size. And so, yeah, I mean, it, something along those lines, taking on a contract that a team would like to move off of while also moving up in the draft makes some sense. I could even see him doing something to get into the, the early second round, which they've done. So mm-hmm. we know this is this is going to be a fun week and moves are going to be made. Yeah, and you hit on it when it comes to the Bledsoe trade. Obviously, the talk that came out today, Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report came came out yesterday. Uh, this this podcast will either be released later on t- tonight, which we're recording it on Sunday, either on Sunday or Monday morning. But the, the, the news was, was that the Grizz and Pelicans, to quote, Jake Fisher have gained traction on a potential deal that would send the, the, um, Eric Bledsoe a contract from the Pelicans to the Grizzlies in exchange for the Grizzlies moving up to 10 for taking on the contract with um, Bledsoe and then the Pelicans moving back to 17. Now, many different reasons as to why we'll break all that down as the week goes on. Um, and I'll, and I'll say why to that in just a second, but obviously you could see other things involved in there. Um, deciding to decline Justice Winslow's contract option, including Grayson Allen, Tyus Jones, so many different scenarios. But I think that you hit the nail on it there. Um, 
Chip, is that here's the thing about this trade that really intrigues me, is that if the Grizzlies pull this off without having to include a future pick of some sort, they basically exchange Bledsoe for maybe some combination of declining Winslow or Winslow and Tyus Winslow and um, Grayson. What's not included in that trade? A future asset. What that means is, is that if the Grizzlies gain Bledsoe in the 10th pick and then they want they keep all their future assets, you've got the ability now to come back with 51 and maybe the Utah pick next year, move up into the first round of this draft and get you that high upside guy that you're looking at. That's another potential move this Grizzlies team can make, and that's what's so exciting about a creative front office. Yeah, it absolutely is. I would say that you know the opportunity cost there would be you basically punt on any sort of large cap space that you have this offseason. I, I I think most everyone thinks there was a long shot that the Grizzlies use all that space on one player just because it's not an incredibly deep free agent pool this summer. There are some good ones to be had, but there's going to be a lot of suitors. But I, you're right. I mean, being able to move up into the top ten and to kind of that middle lottery range um, – would give you the opportunity to draft a different caliber of player or at the very least have a lot more options from that particular talent pool than you would otherwise have at 17. And you could even think of it as like a a go a step further, kind of on a galaxy brain level, having 10 would then let you maybe move up to seven, six, something like that. Like let's say they have their eyes on an even bigger prize. You now a team may be more willing to move back three or four spots as opposed to 10 or 12 spots. So a lot of possibilities if you are able to pull something like that off. Correct, yeah. And the thing that I'll also say is this, though, is that the the reason why this Grizzlies team is probably wanting to make this move more than anything is something that I've talked about with Joe Mullinax and and, and Mark Schindler and other folks that I've had on the podcast over the past several days discussing the draft. Yes, the depth of upside in this draft really stands out. But, Chip, I think that when it comes down to it, probably after pick maybe eight or so, you probably have 10 to 12 players who you can make a case are right on the level as others. But one thing that stands out is that if you've got similar talent, similar upside type players, one thing that differentiates some players from others for the Grizzlies is the wings that are in this draft, especially those with upside. And I think the Grizzlies want as high of a pick as possible to have as many options to work with as possible to make the right pick to really get a significantly talented young wing to pair with Jaw and Jaron. I think that's the main goal behind this potential move. Oh, absolutely agree. It, I mean, it would it would certainly put you in Moses Moody's striking range. Um, it would put you in Josh Giddy range, maybe even Franz Wagner range. It would give you exactly what they don't have, right? Which is, other than Kyle Anderson, really, a 6'6 a six, six and up, 6'7 and up even, a wing that can be versatile uh, on the offensive end, defensive end, provide some more shooting, provide some more uh, defensive flexibility. It, it, it would just give you something that they don't currently have. Because, you know, while DeAnthony Melton's been great and Grayson Allen has certainly had his moments and Desmond Bain had a phenomenal rookie campaign. These guys are all six 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 five and under, um, and so they they don't really have those those big you know Chris Middleton type of wings that 
teams who con- continuously win championships seem to have or go far in the playoffs seem to have. Even the Phoenix Suns, you know, they aren't necessarily, you know, Devin Booker's not the biggest guy, but they have a guy in Michael Bridges who plays such a huge role for them. So finding more pieces like that to give you that versatility um, is, I think, what they're going for and, and really the, the one glaring hole for the Grizzlies right now. Yeah, and and that's what we'll get into is that, you know, when it comes to this, you know, Chip, I'll ask you this. So upside, we know that it probably is something they want to go for. Also, we want to know that they want to go with wing. But besides, so the roster need of getting a wing with upside stands out. But what, so you've got all these different wings you can choose from. You've got potentially Franz Wagner, Corey Kispert, um, Moses Moody. Chris Duarte, I don't know if you really want to go with him at 10 because of how you know old he is. But getting past the upside, getting past the roster need when it comes to wing depth, what do you think is the particular skill set in a wing that stands out as the biggest need for these Grizzlies? You get your wing, what skill do you want him to have most for the Grizzlies? Want him to have most is probably still shooting. Um, I, I yeah. think that you just can't have enough um, of that. And I think that closely followed behind shooting would be the ability to at least be a tertiary creator off the dribble, right? A guy who can operate a little bit out of pick and roll, a guy who can take some pressure off of Ja as being the only guy who can make plays with the basketball. That's what's so great about Kyle Anderson right now is he does have that ability. He Now, the one thing Kyle lacks that he took a little bit of a step this year in, in terms of um, – you know, previously throughout his career is shooting. He he was better. He's still not a guy that you have to pay full attention to when he's outside the perimeter. So you look at a guy like Moses Moody, um, you know, six six guy who's not the biggest, but he has a seven foot wingspan, which allows him to guard up. And, and not the best athlete in the world, but we know he's going to come down and be a three point shooter, right? He's got over eighty percent foul shooter, shot about thirty six percent from three on a high volume at Arkansas. Um, Another guy that, that I think was is a little bit of a trade-off and probably a little bit closer to a Kyle Anderson would even be a Josh Giddey. Um, the, the jump shot's the big question with him because he's a legitimate 6'8 ball handler, great passer, great rebounder, uh, pretty decent athlete as well. Uh, Franz Wagner, same thing. You think he can shoot? I, I believe in the jump shot for Franz personally. Um, he's nothing like his brother. Um, I think he's a tremendous defender. I think he's a tremendous ball mover on offense. He it rarely sticks with him. He always makes good decisions. He can put it on the floor and dribble a little bit. Um, you could even go with a guy like Jalen Johnson, who I do believe is a wing, um, and is a good ball handler, really good athlete. But, again, he kind of lacks the jump shot. He's a little bit closer to Giddy there um, as far as a non-shooter. Uh, Corey Kispert, yeah, that one's pretty clean, right? Like that guy has a clear skill and what he's going to bring to an NBA team. Going to be a three-point shooter, has a little bit of athleticism, a little bit of ability to make some plays off the bounce. But um, So there's not like one perfect guy. The one that I think checks the shooting, the theoretical shooting at least, and playmaking off the dribble, but is a, a pretty large risk, especially if you're talking about moving into the top ten, would be Zaire Williams. Um, I think that he's proven that he's a shot maker. He's six foot ten, so that's exactly what you want. And he's proven that he can really at least show flashes as being a pick and roll guy who can take pressure off primary creators. But there's also a possibility he's got a long way to go, right? He's not going to help anytime soon, and he's got 
you know, a possibility where he could not be in the NBA in three or four seasons. So there's a lot of different ways they can go. Um, and I think this front office is kind of geared more towards maybe a guy you brought up, Chris Duarte, even a Moses Moody, someone that has maybe a little bit higher of a floor, but maybe not quite the ceiling that some of the others have. Agreed. And, and, and I think that if, if the Grizzlies do get into that 10 spot, I would think that they would want to combine certainty of floor with upside. Moses Moody and Franz Wagner really stand out. But let's dive a bit more into these names and some and besides wings, some other names that have skill sets that really fit what the Grizzlies are looking for. I'll talk with Chip more about that coming up in just a second. Obviously, this week is going to be exciting for nearly every team across the NBA, and we actually have you covered here on the Locked On Podcast Network. NBA Draft Goat Chad Ford, Locked On NBA Draft host Rafael Barlow, and Locked On NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA Draft. It's Locked On NBA Draft 2021 brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis, such as myself, on each pick. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch our live draft coverage on July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Listen, what makes the NBA draft season so awesome is that teams love to have options. Well, if you're someone that likes to have options as well, when it comes to potential snacks to improve your day, I got one option that you can choose from that really will make your day better, and that's Built Bar. Yes, it's one product, but it's the product, it's the best protein bar out there on the market. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but yet offers great health benefits. And when it comes to the options, I'm talking about the flavors. Over 18 different flavors to choose from when it comes to Built Bar. And None of them are bad. That's the thing about it. Each and every one of them tastes great. If you go to BillBar.com right now, not only can you choose from those flavors, but you also have the ability to put in the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your next order from Bill Bar. Again, go to BillBar.com, put in the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your next order from Bill. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So Chip, obviously, we talk about the roster need of a wing. We also talk about shot creation, not just shooting, but shot creation. And that's the thing that you see about these wings is that you talk about the Trey Murphys, the Corey Kispers, the Chris Duarte's, um, you know, the Franz Wagner's, the Moses Moody's. Several of them had 85 to 90 percent of their three point attempts last year assisted, catch and shoot. That's the bread and butter for the Grizzlies when it comes to their three-point production. Not that it's the bread and butter of their offense, but shot creation still matters in the NBA, and the Grizzlies have to add some of it. A couple of names out there, non-wing names, that you think make sense. You mentioned trading up for a James Book night, but are there a couple of other names out there that really stand out to you as possibly intriguing the Grizzlies, regardless of roster position, because of how good of shot creators they are? Yeah, Book Night is definitely one. I I am not quite as high on Book Night as some other people are. Um, I it's just a consistency thing for me. He's he's smaller a little bit. Um, I think that he may struggle uh, against some of the bigger NBA defenders quicker that that he's going to face. Um, 
in terms of, you know, what, what he was used to in the AAC. Um, I do think Book Knight's going to be drafted highly. I don't even know that getting to 10 is going to be able to be high enough to uh, get someone like that. But it would certainly put you uh, in that range of getting him. Uh, one name, you know, Sean, that I, I think is kind of interesting and would be a, a guy that hadn't been talked about and would be a wild card at 17, uh, but does a lot of the things that we've talked about is uh, Nishan Bones Highland from VCU. Um, it, he reminds me so – I'm not a big comparison guy because they're never perfect, but reminds me so much of Emmanuel Quickly and the impact that he was able to, to make with the New York Knicks this season. Um, you know, he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's about 6'3", six, 6'4", six, but he, he's built a little bit like, like Quickly and a little also like uh, DeAnthony Melton where he has a 6'9 wingspan that allows him to guard up uh, bigger bigger guys. And, I mean, you're talking about a guy that is just an – absolute sniper from three-point land he's a pretty good uh creator pretty good passer someone that could play next to jaw and take the pressure again full creation pressure off of Ja morant while also being an incredible uh shot maker from all over the all over the court um, i actually buy his shot making more than i do book nights in this draft um so i know highland has kind of been all over the place he you know some people have had him even as high as the teens, kind of right where the Grizzlies are picking, all the way back into the early second round. Um, but that's a guy, if you're just looking, hey, who fits what the Grizzlies need? Now, do I wish he was 6'6"? Of course I do. But, you know, when you're talking about a guy who brings the skill set that he does and you get the plus wingspan like he has, that's a wild card one that I haven't heard many talk about that uh, I could see this front office really being a fan of. That makes sense, and there's another name by the name of Miles McBride at West Virginia who is a two-way guy. The other thing, though, is is that – so, you know, a couple of things stand out when it comes to the Grizzlies ship that we've seen, what they've gone after in the past when it comes to drafts. What stands out is that they prefer – good production in college where they've seen a player improve, kind of like we've seen from a Duarte and a Kisper. They also like, obviously, being able to shoot but doing other things as well, like what we've seen from Brandon Clark and um, Desmond Bain. But you've got some really good talents with good upside in this draft. They haven't had the production, haven't really shown stuff outside of scoring and shooting, but it's hard to deny their talent. Specific names are Cam Thomas, Trey Mann, Josh Christopher, who we've seen linked to the Grizzlies. Those upside plays that have such intriguing potential as scorers and shot creators, do you think the Grizzlies maybe go a bit away from the blueprint and take a chance with those players, especially if they wind up getting 10 or stay at 17, but then come back in the later first round, maybe if they pick one player with a high floor potential, they could be a bit more risky and take a pure upside swing like a Thomas Mann or Christopher. Yeah, Cam Thomas is a guy that I've I've gravitated towards in this cycle a little bit. I, I just he is not my typical prospect that I fall in love with, but it, you cannot des- deny the shot-making talent that that guy has. It, it, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, the way he creates separation and then the high level of shot-making, I mean, he, it was a, he put on a show in the SEC at a very young age. I think he's the all-time leading scorer at Oak Hill Academy. And, I mean, we, we know the names that have come through there, like Carmelo. I mean, he scored more points at Oak Hill than Carmelo did. Um, I mean, he, he is he's a scorer, flat out. I, I think he struggles with – other aspects of playing basketball, 
that he's going to have to make some strides on to be an impactful player. And again, kind of like we talked about, he's he's on the shorter end of guards. But I think if you're you're talking about coming back into the maybe the early first round or early second round, late first round, somewhere in that maybe 25 to 35 range, he makes a lot of sense because I don't think you would be drafting him as a starter. He would be more of a you know, Jordan Clarkson, uh, Lou Williams type that comes off the bench and can create shots when things start to break down with the second unit, you know, and, and even in the playoffs, you know, I, you, you look at the way the thing slows down. The game is no longer up and down like it can get in the regular season. These possessions are so valuable and the defense is so locked in. It's tough to create good looks. Well, Cam Thomas can get his own shot whenever he needs to. He's a high-level uh, free-throw shooter as well, has unlimited range. Uh, another guy that you mentioned, Trey Mann as well, similar. Um, you know, he's a shot maker from Florida. He's got a little bit more size, um, probably best suited as a point guard. Um, but uh, you think with the size that he has, 6'5 or so, he can play off ball, play next to the guard, provide, again, more shot making, a guy who can shoot off the dribble, Um I I am probably a little bit higher on Cam Thomas than I am Trey Mann. Um, and then you mentioned Josh Christopher, a, a guy who, you know, Grizz fans have really come to enjoy. I know he's he seems to have a, a relationship with uh, with John Morant. Um, he's a big fella, you know, like he, he's, he's 6'4", so he's not the tallest, but he's got a really thick frame. I think he used it to his advantage a lot. Another guy who can create some space, um, finishes in a crowd, uh, really good at drawing fouls. Another thing that Cam Thomas is good at. Um, you know, he's got long arms. Like he, he's got a lot of. Uh, he, he's got the foundation of a nice scoring guard. Um, probably off the bench for a while, and, and then you kind of see how things go, where he could ultimately develop into a starter. Uh, but another one who's got, I think he's a six eight, six nine wingspan somewhere in there. So the plus wingspan probably allows him to guard twos and threes. Um, I, I am not the highest on Christopher, but again, when you're talking about in that late first to early second round range, these are the type of guys that make a lot of sense taking some upside swings uh, that could pay off down the road. Uh, again, like you mentioned, it's not the MO of what the Grizz front office has done, but I think they've, they've reached a point where the roster's good, you like the rotation players that you have, you can afford to take some risk because, hey, you know what? If you miss on the 27th pick or whatever, it's okay. The roster is still really good. But if you hit and you get a high-level rotation player out of that, then that's a huge win that you weren't necessarily expecting. And that's the thing that I'll say is this, is that, you know, even though the philosophies may need to change, the Grizzlies have done so well at drafting guys who are older with high floors with more certainty that they're going to hit to be some type of rotation player. But because of the Grizzlies' ability to coach them and, and really focus on their strengths, you look at Clark, you look at Jaw even, you look at uh, Bain and Tillman and others, they've allowed for them to make more immediate impacts than folks think. Yes, going with a pure upside swing, it's going to be different from the mold that the Grizzlies have shown they prefer in drafting. But if they've hit so well on that mold, think of what they could do with an actual upside swing. If they can develop the talents that they've picked so far, it's giving you nothing but confidence. They can sure, certainly make the most of a talent that's a bit younger, but with more upside. And that's what we're going to talk with Chip about more. If the Grizzlies go with this upside pick that a lot of us are hoping that they do, 
whether it be at 17 or through trades, what exactly is the best route for them to go and how equipped are the Grizzlies to help that upside pick hit their ceiling? We'll talk with Chip in just a moment. What an exciting week ahead when it comes to the sports world. The Olympics have officially started. You've got the NBA draft going on, the MLB trade deadline, obviously the MLB season itself going on as well. So many different things to choose from when it comes to wagering and betting on sports. And if that is something that you enjoy as a fan, I've got the one place that has you covered, and that's BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. And don't forget, the NFL and college football are on the horizon. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device and sign up today and put in the promo code LOCKED ON to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Visit BetOnline.ag today. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Though the Ultimate Mock Draft is now in the books, you can still enjoy all the great content that came from all the different local experts representing your favorite teams during the Ulta, the 2021 Ultimate NBA Mock Draft. Listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey, featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts, Chad Ford, and Odyssey NBA experts, Brian Scalabrini and former General Manager Ryan McDonough. It's the perfect way to get ready for the NBA Draft. Our Locked On NBA local experts will make selections and in the case of yours truly, a trade for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y Odyssey. So Chip, obviously, when it comes to the Grizzlies, typically go high floor, or yeah, high floor, certainty among um, these players who can contribute in a variety of different ways, high character, high energy, high IQ players. Say they go with an option that you just don't have as much of a track record proving those things as like a Bain or a Clark or a Tillman. You go with the Josh Christopher, for instance. I am encouraged because I feel the Grizzlies are one of the best places in the NBA to help these upside swings meet their potential. One reason is because of Taylor Jenkins' ability to make the most out of the shooting potential of players. Do you feel that should give the Grizzlies more encouragement to go with the less proven but high upside player because of what Taylor Jenkins has shown his ability to do in helping players shoot all up and down the Grizzlies' current roster? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I think, too, you, you look at the synergy, the, the really nice connection that they have with you know the Memphis hustle with Jason March being down there, a guy who's been in and around the Grizzlies organization for a long time, obviously, you know, was with the Sacramento Kings for some time, came back to be head coach of the G League. Seems like that there's a really nice working relationship there 
between that organization and, and what the Grizzlies um, front office and coaching staff under Taylor Jenkins has, has been able to do. Um, so, yeah, I think that, you know, if there's a guy who's having trouble shooting or just really any sort of skill development, I think that we're starting to see that these guys can do that. Now, they're, you look at, like, what happened with Brandon Clark this past season. Um, it, it's, it is tough from my perspective, Sean, to know how much of, you know, Brandon Clark taking a step back as a jump shooter from his rookie year to his second year is, you know, lack of off season, the quick turnaround between, you know, when we finished up with the bubble and when we started right back with the next season, um, lack of training camp time. Like there were, there are a lot of ways you can kind of write that off. And I think that next year uh, will be a, a big factor in determining exactly what, what happened there. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, this is a good spot where they don't necessarily have to draft a guy that has to come in and immediately be a front end rotation guy. Um, and there are some guys, Zaire uh, Williams is one that I've mentioned that if that's the name that is called at 17, then I'm on board because I see what could be there. Now he had a disastrous season this past year at Stanford. Stanford as a team had a really rough season uh, and there are a lot of excuses that you can make for what happened. Um, but I see what people who are quite high on him see. And if the front office sees those things and thinks, hey, look, we put this guy in our strength and conditioning program. We put some pounds on him. We help him get maybe a little bit better as a functional athlete. We build off the shot making. We build off the pick and roll play making. We build off the really good lateral quickness for a guy his size then we think we can have something a couple years down the road. I'm all for it. And I think every Grizzly fan should also be all for it. That's the thing, you know, at the end of the day, I felt that it's true this entire, you know, basically this season, when it comes to a name like Zaire Williams, you feel like Zaire is a, a name that certainly, if all hits, he probably is the most ideal pick for this Grizzlies team. But whether it's a Zaire or, or a Johnson, probably not a fit for the Grizzlies because of how deep they are at the two-guard position. But I use those two players who have very high ceilings, but it's kind of uncertain whether they're going to reach it because they've got so much to work with. Chip, the Grizzlies have a full roster. They make this Bledsoe trade or another trade. Maybe they open up spots to get multiple rookies playing time. But say the Grizzlies kind of make multiple picks but go with the red shirt philosophy for one of those picks this year. How successful is that? How important is immediate minutes for a rookie versus a red shirt philosophy? Can both work or is one preferred to the other for a team like the Grizzlies who wants to compete but still clearly has a focus on the future? Yeah, I mean, I, I think one one guy that immediately comes to mind when you think of, you know, redshirt year, bringing them along slowly, was a, a guy who just won a championship in Chris Middleton. Um, I mean, he spent time in the G League. He was a second-round pick. Um, but, again, he, he's a guy who's 6'7", six, 6'8", six, um, and you saw kind of the outline of what he could be, but it was going to take him some time to come along, Right. Um, so I think that they have gone, the, the Grizzlies front office being they, have gone with guys who traditionally have been able to step right in and play. Like, if you're drafting a guy in, you know, the top three, top five, you expect them to be able to come in and play right away, if for no other reason than 
the the reason you're probably picking in the top three to five is because your team is not very good. So you're you're wanting to get that guy out there and, and kind of see what you have and see what you need to build around them. But as you step back and get you know in the middle to later half of the lottery and then on in second uh, first second round, um, those guys it's kind of a mixed bag, right? Um, the Grizzlies have taken Desmond Bain in, with the 30th pick and then Xavier Tillman early in the second round and then Brandon Clark in the 20s. They have all been able to come in and play major minutes as rookies, but they are also quite a bit older than some of their other peers. If you take uh, Cam Thomas, um, uh, JT Thor is a name that we haven't brought up, but a guy is a little bit of a project, uh, even like a Jalen Johnson, Zaire Williams, these guys – I do not believe are going to be ready to come in and play right away. Even a Jaden Springer. Um, I, I don't think that they're necessarily ready to come in and compete from day one. Uh, they may be, but I think you draft them understanding, hey, they may get minutes here and there, but they're going to spend a lot of time in South Haven with the Memphis Hustle, and they're going to get some quality development minutes there. And I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. I think we have success stories and failures on both sides. I, you know, if you come in and are a really good rookie, the odds of you then, you know, flaming out in the league are probably pretty low. Um, I think the odds of you needing some time to come along and then flaming out are probably a bit higher. But, I mean, you, like look at Michael Carter-Williams. He won, you know, rookie of the year and is now, you know, struggling to be a rotation player later on in his career. There are examples on all sides of the spectrum, no matter how you look at it. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer necessarily. It's all up to team philosophy and then you spending the time as a team, as an organization, investing in that player and investing in his development. And that's what I think that it comes down to and why, you know, I've been so focused on um, the, you know, the opportunity to, you know, look at it. And we'll get to one last question with Chip Williams, who's joining us, one of the best draft minds when it comes to the Memphis area, has done great work over the past several years when it comes to the draft. But Chip, that's one thing that stands out to me. You know, I know that there's been some stuff brought up about the Grizzlies having the full roster that they do, one of the fullest rosters going into this offseason. But you look a year from now and you've got several key free agents, Kyle Anderson, Jonas Valanciunas, Grayson, Tyus, potentially Justice, if, if you pick up his option. That's a lot of your roster and a lot of, of folks that carry heavy weight on your roster. You've got to be able to find a way to get talents to come in and take their place, and you don't want to have to rely on free agency to do it all. That's why I think that investing multiple picks, multiple top 35 picks in this draft makes so much sense, and that's what I'll ask you. You look at the 2022 draft, Chip, and it's likely that mm -hmm. the Grizzlies are going to have the Utah pick for next year. Do you feel that Memphis may – what makes more sense to you, using that Utah pick as a way to get back in this draft this year or going into next offseason with that pick plus whatever pick the Grizzlies are going to have and all their cap space? I would think that Utah pick could be a valuable trade, Chip, once we get past 20 in this year's draft. I completely agree. I, I, I was actually having a conversation with a buddy of mine, and he, he was talking about wanting to include the Warriors pick uh, that's likely to come in 24 um, as a way to get into the latter half of the first round in this draft. And I, I was, you know, I couldn't have been more against it uh, because it is, 
you know, you look at the Warriors and the aging roster, it's three years from now. I think Steph will be 36. Draymond and Clay will both be in their mid-30s. You, you have no idea what the Warriors are going to look like there. But you look at the Utah Jazz, the, the odds of that pick being a top-20 pick are not zero, but they are very close to zero. Uh, I think Mike Conley is probably going to resign there, even if he doesn't. That's still – one of you got to think one of the ten best rosters in the league just based on everything that they have and everything we know about how they play, especially in the regular season. So, I am all for dangling the Utah pick to try to get back up into the twenties to make another selection in this year's draft. Um, especially, um, you know, it, I, I always come back to this. I I trust the front office's evaluations, right? They've done nothing so far to make me question that um, part. I think part of the reason I got into the draft was because I, I was a little bit fed up with the way that, you know, Chris Wallace and the previous regime would draft. They would, they hit a couple, but a lot of misses. And so I was trying to figure out, Hey, what, why are they screwing up? How, how can I figure this out with them? And this, with this current regime, there's just not a lot of argument. You know, I, I've liked pretty much every guy and also been high on pretty much every guy that they have picked. So if they see someone in the, you know, mid-20s that they think can be a real contributor, whether it's immediately or on down the road, I think you'd be crazy not to call them and ask if they'd be interested in the Utah pick, maybe even the Utah pick and pick 51. Whatever it took to get up there and go get the guy that they have conviction about, they should do it. And the other thing is, is, you know, we did a mock draft. Um, you know, I'm not trying to promote it too much, but we did a mock draft um, through the Locked On Network um, a few weeks ago. And, you know, in that draft, I traded away Kyle Anderson. I don't want to do that. But, again, it goes to focusing on the future. Yeah. I even think an expiring contract for the Grizzlies could be used, though it seems like they're going to prefer to use that in that Bledsoe trade. Chip, we've talked a lot about the Grizzlies because it's something that we're passionate about. What are some other things you're really looking forward to on draft night? Few talents, what a few teams might do. Open floor. What is it? What is really intriguing to you about this draft? Despite obviously all the talent that's going to be available. Yeah, um, several things. Honestly, number one is you know we all know Cade is going to go number one. It would be a, sh a complete shock if he didn't. I I'm fascinated to see like. I I think that for a long time, we thought it was Cade, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, and then the draft starts. I think the draft starts at two, and it almost seems like now the Rockets are leaning towards Jalen Green, which is fascinating to me. I, I, You will almost never hear me say that a team should draft based on need or current roster construction, and I could we could do a whole podcast about why I think that, but you just won't really hear me say that. I think it's a bad philosophy, and it's how you miss on picks. You should take the best player available. And if the Rockets think that Jalen Green is the best player available, then they should do it. You know, it's an, I think it's a weird fit with Kevin Porter, and, uh, you know, I won't even really factor John Wall because he's, he's up there but in age. But, um, yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, I personally think that Evan Mobley is the second-best player in this draft, and if he got down to the Cleveland Cavaliers, with Darius Garland and uh, Isaac Okoro and now Evan Mobley, and then you have a trade chip possibly in Colin Sexton, you're starting to see a pretty nice core there with the Cleveland Cavaliers, so that's fascinating to me. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga is another one. I, I 
I cannot figure him out, Sean. I, I don't know what to do with Jonathan Kaminga. I see what people who are high on him see, but he, he terrifies me. I, I think that he is like the boomer bust of all boom, boomer bust prospects. Um, you know, don't mean to interrupt. I, don't mean to interrupt real quick. Him or Zaire to to you? Because I know yeah. you're an advocate for Zaire, but but which one? I mean, you're talking about you know Zaire being a guy in the twenties. Would you take Zaire going forward over Kaminga right now? Ah, uh, man, no, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, I think that. I Fair think enough. That, I, I think that Kaminga's body and the way he performed against fringe NBA guys last year at a young age shows enough that he is definitely an NBA player, but taking him at five or six, it would worry me. Um, now, if you're taking him at like 11, 12, like totally get it on board. I, that's probably about where I'm going to have Kaminga ranked when I come out with my board. Uh, but I don't know what to do with the guy. And I'm fascinated to see where he ends up, uh, whether it's Orlando or OKC. I feel the same way about Scotty Barnes. I, I am a very, very big Scotty Barnes fan, but if he's never a shooter, it kind of negates all the passing dribbling stuff that he does for his size that people are so intrigued by. Um, I'll give you one more to Sharif Cooper. I, I love Sharif Cooper. He was one of my favorite dudes to watch in this entire draft cycle. If he was six foot three, I would probably have him right up there with Suggs, Green, Mobley, Kate. I, I think that the ceiling for him is capped a little bit because he is, you know, listed at six foot one. That's probably being a little bit generous. Um, I, I think that the way that he operates out of a pick and roll setting, the passes that he makes, it is all built for the modern kind of pace space, pick and roll NBA. I think the jump shot will be just fine. It was erratic at Auburn. I, I'm not super concerned about that. He will probably never be even like, a below average defender it's probably always going to be really really bad so can he make up for it on the offensive end with that I don't know I think the guy's got a chance to go lottery um because I think someone's going to fall in love with what he brings on uh the offensive end of the floor uh so that's kind of where I am Usman Garuba another just like totally loved watching that guy unreal defender like will completely get after your butt you saw it against team usa he was checking kevin durant doing everything he could undersized big man but i i'm a fan if uh look i know the grizzlies don't need him but uh like if he was there at 17 i'd have a hard time passing him up yeah when it comes to usman garuba uh it seems like that if you're talking about skill sets if you're talking about one of the better guarantees on either side of the ball in this draft, Garuba as a potential All-NBA defender is a good bet. And you're right. It's just so funny how it seems like some of the, you know, most, you know, not insignificant, but just, you know, just minute details about a player's profile. In Sharif Cooper's case, being a 6364 instead of you know a six foot six one, how you know much it drops him in the draft, but it's going to be highly intriguing. At the end of the day, one of the things that most intrigues me um, is that what are these teams? You've got five teams in this draft: the Knicks, the Rockets, the um, Thunder, Golden State, and Orlando. Five teams right there that basically own half the first round. What are those five teams going to do? What combination of high floor, high risk guys 
Are they going to go with, are they going to trade up? Are they going to trade for, you know, current NBA players? That's going to define the draft. Those five teams that have multiple picks, really going to be interesting to see what happens, Chip. Absolutely. And you, you look at, you know, we talk about taking a swing. You have to imagine that Oklahoma City t- picking one spot in front of the Grizzlies, they are looking to – I couldn't imagine they don't just take a swing because that's the, that's the mode that they're in, right? They're the team who took Pokashevsky. Um, they are going to take a swing on someone. So getting in front of them, if your goal is, hey, let's take a big upside swing, probably should be a priority. But I'm with you. Like, what do the Knicks do with multiple picks? What are, you know, what are, uh, that's a great, great point. I, I think there has some potential to be quite a bit of movement. I don't know that we see any movement before really like pick seven. Um, it just seems like Kaminga and Barnes after the consensus top four, are most likely the next two guys. And then after that, it's kind of wide open, right? So you've got your Josh Giddy fans, you've got your Book Night fans, you've got all kinds of guys all over the board, Franz Wagner. And so how, how aggressive are some of these teams with multiple assets, whether it be in this draft or like the Grizzlies have a couple extra first-round picks down the road, how aggressive are they going to be getting up to go get the guy that they have conviction about? It's, it'll be fascinating, man. This is um, one of the most fun nights of the year. And that's why we enjoy it. And, and you know, it, it, it's so thankful that not only is it fun because of being an NBA fan in general about the future that's coming for this franchise, but also the fact that you've got a creative and smart front office that can make the most of it. And obviously a young team that you know is looking to add another significant talent. Chip, obviously, the last few times we've talked with you, I know you've had a lot going on on your end. I hope things are certainly well. What else going on on your end? Always great insight on Twitter. Any other work elsewhere going on that folks can, can watch out for uh, this draft season in terms of predictions or, or reactions to draft night? Yeah. Um, so I, I was hosting a draft pod all last cycle with my buddy Sudu Badea. He, uh, he he got a little busy this year and wasn't able to. So the, the draft was draft pod is on pause for this cycle, at least um, possibly reviving that soon. I am going to drop a draft board um, most likely Monday or Tuesday uh, before the, so within the next day or so of this podcast coming out. And then um, I don't know. I, sometimes I get the itch to write about, you know, who the Grizzlies take. And so if they have an interesting draft night, I, I may fire up the keyboard again and, and write. I used to do uh, kind of big recaps, staying up till three, four in the morning. It, it's a lot on draft night, but I don't know. You never know. I, I may. Uh, I do have my own draft log that I occasionally fire off some thoughts. So I, I, that may be in play again here uh, uh, this season. His name is Chip Williams. We always love having Chip, not only for his Grizzlies fandom, but the great insight. And more than anything, we just love it to where it's just a good conversation with Chip anytime we have him on here. You can follow him on Twitter at Chip Williams Jr. Obviously, you can follow the podcast at Locked on Grizz, myself at Stats SAC. My name's Sean Coleman for Chip Williams. It's a pleasure to be with you once again here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Chip, can't thank you enough. Enjoy the draft. We will certainly have you on it again at some point this offseason to talk about what happened and what may be to come for the Grizzlies. Thank you, sir. Really appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Always a good time. And uh, looking forward to the draft. We'll talk with you again soon, Chip, and talk with you again soon as well here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Hey, Prime members. 
You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.